นโมทัสสะภะวะโตระหะโตสัมมาสัมบุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะวะโตระหะโตสัมมาสัมบุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะวะโตระหะโตสัมมาสัมบุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสสะสวัสดีครับผมมีสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามที่ถูกตอบโดยสองคำถามแต่ความเคลื่อนไหวและความเคลื่อนไหวและความเคลื่อนไหวและความเคลื่อนไหวและความเคลื่อนไหวและความเคลื่อนไหวและความเคลื่อนไหวและความเคลื่อนไหวและ
is both a cause and a symptom of that is something that we would be wise to reflect on, really to bring the skills that we are developing in our spiritual practice to bear on this predicament. How do we feel when we see the predicament we find ourselves in? If we're not clear about how we feel about it, if we're not able to meet ourselves in our reactivity, in our struggle to come to terms with it, if we can't meet ourselves there, then the chances are that there's a lot of energy going into unawareness and that's going to inevitably diminish clarity. Our minds, our hearts are not going to be as clear as they really need to be to contemplate this predicament. So however we might analyse the situation that we find ourselves in, whatever positions we might take on it, however we, whatever we think about how we got here, the fact is you can't really look at the situation without feeling sad. Or maybe the more evident reaction is one of anger. However, if you look more closely, it may well be that behind that reaction of anger there's sadness. And it's often the case that first we feel sad and we don't manage to meet that and deal with that. And so that goes into unawareness and, and then anger turns up on top of it. Now certainly, to look at the predicament that we find ourselves in and not feel sad would be rather strange. It's, uh, it's, uh, given all the affluence and the extraordinary good fortune that we've, humanity uh, finds ourselves in at this time, and the opportunities for, for education and for health and prior to the pandemic for travel and despite all of that we have this predicament of intense disharmony and that is really sad so how do we reflect on sadness how do we approach this experience of sadness are we willing to approach it are we willing to reflect on it do you want to turn ourselves, turn away from it? Well, as we're just chanting the Dhamma Chakra Sutta, the, the, the two extremes of indulging and denying, the right? Buddha pointed out, these two reactions are a dead end. But then he said there's this alternative, the middle way, of really meeting the experience of dukkha. In this case, the experience of sadness. Are we interested in developing our faculties to the point where we're able to really meet sadness when it appears and learn what we need to learn? Even before we go very far in pursuing such questions, it's important that we look and see whether we have a resistance to sadness born out of an excessive fondness 
for the opposite, which is happiness, gladness. We all like happiness, we all like gladness, of course. It's definitely preferable. However, sadness has always been here. It's not, it's not like there's anything wrong with sadness. And we can be holding to a view that because I'm feeling sad, I'm failing. It's easy to hold that view. It's very easy to hold that view. To feel sad and then to assume that I am somehow failing because I feel sad. And we need to look at that assumption. Is it possible to be a human being without feeling sad? As we in the morning chanting, Soka Paridera Dukkha, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, that this is part of humanity and it's always been there. There's always been the sadness of social disruption, it's always been there, wars, battles, the sadness of loss of loved ones through old age or accident, the sadness of loss of health, the sadness of it comes with misunderstanding, loss of friendship. Sadness is not something going wrong. To say sadness is wrong is like saying winter is wrong. We shouldn't have winter, we should just have summer. The reality of living on planet Earth is that sometimes we have summer, sometimes we have winter. That's how it is. And the reality of being born as a human being is sometimes we have gladness, sometimes we have sadness. That's how it is. It's, it's always been that way. So we do need to be careful that we're not telling ourselves this story that because I feel sad there's something going wrong. If we can't feel sad then I would say that we can't feel compassion. Compassion is the capacity to feel suffering with beings. You, know, you, you have compassion for somebody. It's not just thinking what a sad situation that person's in, but it's empathizing in the context of suffering. Empathizing with somebody in the context of suffering is called compassion. We feel their sadness with them. And that helps us see how we might be able to help them if we lack empathy then that's a, that's a lack of emotional intelligence. That's a, that's a dysfunction. Lack of empathy puts us in a very difficult position. So to really relate in any warm-hearted, meaningful way with our fellow human beings, we really do need to be able to feel sad. But do we have to, do we have to become sad? Just because we feel sad, does that mean we have to be defined by sadness. It sort of feels like that sometimes. So why does it feel like that? Why is it why is sadness or that kind of suffering, that kind of dukkha, why does it sometimes seem so overwhelming when you look at the enormity of human chaos? every direction you look at the moment the, the environmental destruction that is so so utterly unnecessary if there'd been more cooperation and, and more caution and more investment in science and discovering other ways to 
function together. The degradation wouldn't have had to have happened, but it has happened on so many levels. Political, social, educational, legal. On so many levels there's so much chaos and confusion and disruption and a source of so much sadness. What is it that stops us from just looking at it and studying it? It can, and I know, I've heard this in a number of conversations I've had recently with people feeling almost overwhelmed by, by sadness. Well, one explanation, and I think, although I've mentioned it before, I think it's worth mentioning again, one explanation for why we don't get the message with sadness. I mean, sadness is just, it's a mood. It's a mood. It's like a, a wave that passes over the great ocean or a cloud that passes through the vast sky. Yeah, it's, it comes and it goes. Why do we make sadness somehow ultimate or like feel like it's an indictment against who I am because I feel sad? Well, one explanation can be is because when we turn to look at it, we're not just having to deal with that perhaps modest amount of sadness. When we look at it, we end up encountering a whole backlog of denied sadness. And I've talked about this often before, and it keeps coming up in so many ways. And previously we reflected on how Grief can be overwhelming, even when it's somebody that we we knew for some time was was dying, and then when they die, this grief comes out, and sometimes the grief can be overwhelming. Why? And well, it can be because the door opens to all the grief that we've denied in the past. If we can get away with it, we think, and we learned this very early on in life, and we think that if we can get away with it, we will. And we prefer to not have to face dukkha, whether it's sadness or grief or sorrow, lamentation or despair. Whatever dukkha comes towards us, if we can avoid it, we'd like to do it. And for most of us, we didn't have truly wise education as we were growing up. And the example that we saw around us was generally if you can have a good time, then that's preferable. And try and forget about the bad times. What the Buddha discovered was that's the opposite of what's wise. We need to actually pay attention to how we relate to the not good times, the difficult times, the dukkha. It's through not seeing the dukkha that we compound our struggle so much. That's why we don't get the message. We use our will, we use our attention to deny dukkha and push it into unawareness and when it comes to something like a moment of sadness can we turn towards it feel it in the body receive it meet it without being defined by it or do we become sad do we become lost in sadness or do we struggle with sadness caught up in it and indulge in it or do we struggle to deny it both reactions again as you're saying are missing the opportunity. 
there are moments of gladness, but there are moments of sadness, and the Buddha wanted us to study both. There is joy and there is sorrow. The Buddha wanted us to have the, the mindfulness, the attention, the willingness to investigate both, and in doing so, then there's a chance of wisdom arising. And wisdom is an unobstructed relationship to reality, an unobstructed relationship to joy and sorrow, to life. Just understanding this much can be helpful. If we're feeling overwhelmed by sadness or by some other form of dukkha and we turn towards it and we find it's just too much, feels too much, well, it's helpful if we can understand why it feels that way. Maybe it's because we really avoided it in the past. We didn't really deal with it. And so just this understanding, this conceptual understanding, can help us get a bit of a handle on the dukkha, on the sadness and that we're having to face. And, and it's also an understanding... Of, of how sometimes the environment that we grew up in, and what I've been referring to recently as adopted dukkha, um, we've got denied dukkha that we chose not to deal with, but then if we're surrounded by other people who've also been denying dukkha, then it can somehow compound our own experience of denied dukkha. Just the same as if you're surrounded by people who are happy and positive and affirming, it can have an effect on us. Likewise, if we're surrounded by people who who are sad or depressed or have got a lot of denied dukkha, then that can likewise have an effect on us. And so to bear this in mind, as we, if we try to face the suffering of life, and face particularly the sadness of life, why is it so difficult? Well, it's not because I'm so bad necessarily. It's just that I haven't been sufficiently aware up until now. Now we're working on awareness. Now we're looking into how can we use mental skills, emotional skills, physical skills to bring these experiences of dukkha fully into awareness. And it can take a lot of skill, a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of time. The concept can help. And then you're actually faced with having to really feel this stuff if you've denied it for a long time and and then you feel, well, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. That didn't really help. So, you know, actually feel it. Then the emotional overwhelm of denied life can really be challenging. And, and particularly speaking here for men who, who find it very challenging to allow themselves the vulnerability to feel what they feel. The work of listening, registering, feeling what our hearts feel can be a massive undertaking. It feels, on one level, more heroic, more preferable to get rid of it, get away from it, deny it. It can feel that way. But do we really get away from it? Are we really dealing with it? Or are we just postponing it? Feelings are energy, and if we're not relating to them in a, a real manner, then, as I was saying, they just go into unawareness, and, and when they come back, they're going to be even more difficult to deal with. And so learning to allow 
our vulnerability little by little can be particularly challenging on an emotional level. And also learning how to meet the sadness of life physically. Sometimes trying to figure things out makes things worse. And sometimes what's called for is going for a walk in the woods. Just stop trying to figure things out and take a flask of water and or a thermos of tea and just go down to the lake and wander through the woods without trying to figure anything out. Intentionally, physically, walking in the body, learning to develop skills mentally, emotionally, physically, so as to address what is worth considering anyway as a backlog of denied dukkha, which has made it particularly difficult. Even just a normal moment of sadness that shouldn't be particularly challenging can open up a door to this backlog and or being under pressure as people are at the moment with the pandemic can open up the door to this backlog of denied dukkha. So if we do make the effort, if we're inspired to apply our spiritual teachings, to be patient, to be gentle, to be attentive in these ways, and then gradually work through the backlog, maybe we then find ourselves in the position where we can deal with the actuality of sadness. We know conceptually that sadness is just the mood that comes and goes, and yet it can really trip us up. It can really feel like a major obstruction. It can really obstruct life. So if we work through some of those obstructions to get to the point where we're feeling sadness here and now, but also registering the possibility that there's a space through which that sadness is passing. There's awareness, there's the knowing. We can invite the sadness instead of struggling with indulging and denying or trying to get rid of sadness, we can, we can address it, we can invite it, invite it to stay, and even invite it to stay as long as it needs to and apologize to it for ignoring it. However, suggesting that, I emphasize we do need to be careful to make sure that we are adequately prepared. If, it's, if it feels like a lot of energy still, well then maybe we need to wait a bit longer before we really try to receive the sadness of life. It's not just working through, enduring through, burning through old past denied dukkha. There's also the other side of it, which is actually building up uh, our sense of inner strength. And strength and like the strength of self-confidence. Inner sense of well-being and inner sense of goodness. This leads to a sense of competence, that we feel strong, we feel able. So, yes, there is the addressing the backlog, that's important. However, there's also the need to build up the goodness. Like one of the, 
one of the benefits of exercising and contemplation on compassion. These meditation exercises, when we generate the wish, may all beings be well, may all beings be free from suffering. We're exercising our competence. We can do that. We can exercise that well-wishing. And by exercising it, we come into connection with it. We feel, I can wish beings be well. I can wish beings be free from suffering. I can even wish myself be well. Even wish myself be free from suffering. And these exercises can have a powerful effect in giving us a perspective on the difficulties of life. Like with sadness, when we, if we strike up a conversation with sadness, invite us, say, welcome sadness. You're welcome to stay as long as you need to stay. Sorry I've been ignoring you. And when we do that, what we're doing is actually building up our conscious relationship with sadness. This is what the Buddha was talking about, investigating dukkha, investigating the cause of dukkha, reflecting on the dukkha of life rather than just avoiding it and complaining about it. This kind of exercise, this kind of investigation can strengthen our trust and our um, confidence in the refuge of awareness. When we're talking to sadness, welcome sadness, please come in. When we're talking to sadness, then we're not so identified as it. We might like to think that we can just watch it, but there can be an underlying sense of feeling this is me being caught up in the experience of suffering, the experience of dukkha, clinging that we are not aware of. Whereas if we engage in the spiritual exercise of, for instance, generating all beings be free from suffering or talking to suffering in the way that I was suggesting, then there's a chance that we will remember the refuge, the refuge in awareness. And even when the sadness seems great or any other form of dukkha feels great, we can reflect and perhaps turn to trusting that awareness is greater. And this is why we hold up the Buddha as a refuge. The trust, the confidence we have is that there, there is no amount of sadness, no amount of disappointment, no amount of despair that cannot be received into the selfless just knowing awareness. That's why we say Buddhang Saranangachami. I go for refuge to the Buddha. And thank you very much this evening for your attention. Sa so...